Hey folks, welcome to Thanks for the Knowledge, the weekly fan by news show, rounding up the headlines and games and entertainment in one handy podcast. I am your host, head of fan by media, John Warren. How are y'all? We're at the end of another week or the beginning of a new week, depending on how you look at it. Uh, we have a great show. Uh, I talked to our own news staff writer, Ken Shepard, about Duncan Ronpa. Uh, I don't know anything about the series. He really enlightened me. He actually got me to download some stuff. So if you're interested in that series, kind of figuring out what that's all about, that's a really great conversation that I suggest you listen to. But before we get to any of that, we have to talk about our big top stories of the week. A lot of stories dropped this week that are notable, and we'll get to them, but none were more fascinating to me personally than the introduction of a lot of new features of Windows 11, the upcoming free update to the Windows 10 operating system uh, hitting desktop PCs uh, soon. Uh, a lot of uh, announcements were made about like UI, UX things. I won't get into a lot of that stuff. Basically, it looks a lot more like <laughs> uh, Apple's OS stuff. More things are kind of centrally located in in the, the middle of the screen. There's a lot of stuff that's not in the bottom left anymore. I don't know. All that stuff's kind of boring. Although like a lot of them seem like genuine improvements and organizational changes to the the structure of the OS and things like that. That all makes sense. But I think what you probably care the most about is how it impacts games. And I think one of the most interesting announcements, along with a lot of others that we'll get to, is that uh, Windows 11 will be able to uh, launch Android apps. So apps like TikTok, uh, games that run on Android systems, those will be available to uh, operate on a Windows 11 machine, which is really interesting. Uh, developers will be actually able to use their own commerce engines as well, meaning that Microsoft is not going to take a cut if you use these commerce engines. This is in direct opposition, of course, to Apple's setup that takes a cut, uh, which is famously in battle right now with Epic in the legal system. Um, so that's pretty big news. Uh, Microsoft Microsoft apparently partnered with uh, Amazon and Intel to make this Android stuff happen, uh, which is really fascinating. So it's a really interesting marriage of mobile and desktop technology. Uh, They push a lot of their uh, kind of portable uh, Windows 11 system stuff. Uh, So a lot of this Android integration obviously benefits those users as well. Uh, But this is a really fascinating step, not only for games, but of course for apps generally, Uh, but really more specifically to games. Of course, uh, Xbox Games Pass is like a big part of the Xbox ecosystem, but also a lot of that stuff uh, carries over to PC. So we have a lot of improvements that have been made uh, to video games uh, being played on the Xbox SX and S systems. Uh, But do those things translate to uh, this new operating system? What kind of changes can we expect uh, for PC players? Uh, Sarah Bond uh, took to the stage to talk about some of those things. Um, So uh, one of the really interesting uh, aspects of the Xbox X and S is auto HDR. Um, That's a feature in in Xbox X and S and basically upreses a lot of older games to look uh, a lot, a lot fresher. So 
Skyrim is uh, on every system, and they use this as an example. Uh, it does noticeably look different from SD to the auto HDR stuff, so that was a really dramatic improvement uh, when they showed that. Um, and so the high dr- dynamic range stuff, HDR, uh, that's going to enable a lot of Direct X11 and Direct X12 games to just look better if you have an HDR monitor. A lot of folks do have HDR monitors now, so this will be an improvement for a lot of folks. Um, there will be uh, also direct storage. So like direct storage is a part of Windows 11, and it's also a new feature from Xbox Series X and S. Uh, these uh, the direct storage stuff, you'll have to have an MV, an NVMe drive, uh, which is one of those things that a piece of storage that basically plugs directly into the motherboard uh, as opposed to like slotting into a designated slot on your desktop. Um, that actually enables games to like load uh, and operate at much faster speeds. Uh, if you have a setup like that on your um, on your desktop right now, like it, it is a pretty dramatic difference. Like uh, Xbox, uh, I mean, Windows 11 will really take the most advantage of these things, which is really cool. Uh, Windows 11 will also integrate Xbox Game Pass directly into uh, the structure. So the Xbox app itself will have xCloud integrated into the app as well as Games Pass. So uh, there are just a lot of like really forward thinking improvements, changes coming to Windows 11, uh, which will be a free update again. Can't stress that enough. That's a pretty big difference. Uh, so yeah, this is pretty exciting stuff. Uh, and uh, especially on the gaming side, if you are an Xbox user who also has a PC, a lot of these things are just going to make these things sing to each other. And also, if you're missing on a lot of Android apps that you 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 like, if you're an iPhone user and you're kind of missing some stuff that uh, might only be on Android, those are rare cases, but they exist. Uh, this will also be a way to check out what is in the Android ecosystem. So yeah, uh, big improvements coming to Windows and uh, a lot on the gaming side. Sticking with Microsoft and Xbox for a moment, uh, <laughs> Phil Spencer's kind of talking about Killer Instinct, the fighting game franchise that was rebooted on Xbox One in two, uh, 2013. Kind of talking like uh, it's dead, which is strange to me because uh, it, it's it's as recently as 2017, it had 10 million players. Um, it, it's got still a respectable fan base uh, for what we can tell. It is kind of a niche fighting game property, but still... I thought it kind of did well for a modern fighting game. At least it seemed that way to me. However, (laughs) uh, Spencer is open to revisiting the series in a different way and dropped a very interesting quote uh, that I'm going to read in full uh, from a conversation with VGC. Uh, Quote, there are so many good games in our catalog that we'd love to, to visit. The response when we redid KI at the launch of Xbox One was fantastic. I will just say... Uh, Xbox Game Studios head Matt Booty and I have discussed many times KI and where we would like to go with it. And it's not out of our minds that it might be out of our minds, <laughs> but it's in our hearts and in our minds that we want to continue doing something with KI. It's about finding the right team and the right opportunity. But it, it is not due to any kind of lack of desire on our part, and we're not doing any, and we're not doing more with Ki because we love the franchise and the community response. Um, it's an interesting quote from Phil Spencer. Uh, I, 
I don't think he meant it this way, but it does kind of feel like he's uh, throwing the previous team in the previous game a little bit under the bus. Maybe it didn't do as well as the internal folks wanted it to, and that's kind of a tacit announcement and uh, observation that Phil is making. But either way, kind of a strange quote. But if you're a Killer Instinct fan, I guess this is good news, unless you're just a huge fan of the reboot that came out in 2013. Uh, but yeah, sounds like Phil and company are interested in getting this going again, but they got to find, quote unquote, the right team to do it. I guess we'll keep it with the Xbox for one more story. Uh, one of the most interesting things that coincided with Sonic's 30th anniversary celebrations this past week uh, was a crossover they're doing with Minecraft. Uh, you can get the Sonic the Hedgehog or Sonic Cross Minecraft DLC, as it's officially called, uh, over on the Minecraft marketplace right now for eight bucks. Uh, the 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 actual stuff you can see uh sonic running through a lot of the voxelated uh green hill zone stuff uh there are 25 skins from sonic the hedgehog in this uh that you can play with knuckles and find crystals and bust through stuff uh it, it actually goes way harder and deeper than i think i expected this to go when i first uh saw this pop up on my twitter feed you should go watch the trailer actually it's over on fanby.com and ron wrote up the piece um it actually is pretty wild. It looks like a really cool Sonic 3D platformer. Uh, I don't know if it's like that connected or if this is just kind of a set of disparate little activities you can do, but it is, uh, it's kind of wild. Uh, there's some chow garden stuff. Uh, it, it goes pretty deep and uh, I've been really impressed with what I've seen from it. So uh, it's making me actually think about downloading Minecraft and checking the stuff out because uh, the blue blur looks pretty cool with all these voxels. If you tuned in to Fanbyte's coverage of E3 2021, that's Hot Game Summer 2021 to you, baby. Uh, Conspicuous by its absence is EA. And if you recall, EA has got its own thing. Uh, called EA Play, which is going to drop on July 22nd. Uh, news broke this week that EA is expected to revive a dormant IP for this event that everyone should be pretty excited about. Uh, everyone seems pretty sure that it's going to be Dead Space, the survival horror action game uh, starring engineer, everyone's favorite engineer, Isaac Clarke, by the way, I always I always say um, <laughs> I always say Isaac Brock first, but that's the uh, that's the weird singer of Modest Mouse. Anyway, wouldn't that be weird if every time uh, one of those enemies <laughs> popped out of like a vent, um, Isaac just started going eh, like Isaac Brock. Anyway, uh, yeah. So everyone seems to think this is going to be Dead Space. Uh, I'm not going to confirm or deny that. I don't actually know, but EA Motive has basically been a Star Wars studio. They've got a uh, a product in progress that everyone is expecting them to unveil at EA Play. All the signs point to this being another Dead Space game. Um, Visceral Games uh, was shut down in 2017. They were the ones that made the first three. Uh, the series is in limbo. EA owns the IP. This 
all makes sense and fits. It's a series that maybe never performed financially as well as EA wanted it to, but it's a series that I think was critically acclaimed and also one of those games that people keep revisiting saying, hey, this was really scary, really good. It got to the root of what made survival horror a really cool genre to get into in the first place. Uh, And so, yeah, so we won't have to wait too long to find out if this is true. But yeah, July 22nd EA play, we're kind of expecting to see Dead Space get revived. Sticking with EA, they had a big week uh, as they acquired Playdemic, a mobile developer and publisher for a cool 1.4 billion, that's with a B, dollars. Uh, Playdemic was with Warner Brothers and AT&T. Uh, AT&T is shedding just a ton of their entertainment assets, so EA picked them up. Uh, uh, Playdemic makes Golf Clash. You would not be alone if you just never hear about these games, but then find out later that they make like a million dollars a day. That's just a lot of what mobile games are these days. Uh, but yeah, uh, EA is kind of continuing their expansion into the mobile space. They had a big acquisition back in April when they spent $2.1 billion on buying Glue Mobile. Uh, this is just another piece of their mobile expansion piece into buying more mobile IP, and it should continue. So we have no idea if we will hear more about this at EA Play, but I think we can probably say that's a safe bet. Let's talk job listings because these are places that we find kind of hints and clues about what big game developers and publishers might be up to next. So Warner Brothers Montreal uh, is best known for its work on Batman Arkham Origins and, of course, the upcoming Gotham Knights, which I know folks are a lot uh, are super excited about. Um, They are also hiring a senior gameplay animation programmer uh, for a brand new IP AAA title. Uh, there are some hints uh, at the upcoming game style. Uh, they say it's a third-person open-world action game. That's not a shocker. Uh, cra- cross-platform gameplay system is experience is also uh, uh, desired, uh, which also implies some kind of multiplayer functionality. So that's kind of interesting. Um, Warner Bros. Montreal is basically set up to deal with games specifically in the DC Comics universe. So I think we can you know, ex- expect it to be still in this DC universe. But um, if they're saying a new IP AAA title, then it might be, uh, I don't know, might be a DC hero we haven't had a game for yet, like Aquaman or Green Arrow or uh, even, I don't know, Superman. Uh, who knows? Uh, but yeah, they are hiring for a new position and it is imply that's not for gotham knights uh speaking of other big uh third person adventure games uh ratchet and clank rift apart developer insomniac is hiring for a new project that will have a multiplayer mode so job listing for multiplayer systems designer does not really explain a whole lot to us uh but you know, we, you know, Sunset Overdrive is probably coming back and that had multiplayer. Um, you know, so there's some crumbs here and there. Uh, Resistance is a game that they've had experience with. I don't know if that's coming back. We have no idea. But they are working on something that has a multiplayer component, which is a bit of a departure from what Insomniac has done in the recent past. So we will keep an eye on all of that. Big news for yours truly as Final Fantasy IX the best one, by the way, is getting an animated TV sh- series, uh, according to the website Kid Screen. This was also uh, confirmed to uh, Ash Parrish over at Kotaku by Square Enix themselves. Uh, the TV show is meant for 8 to 13-year-olds. It's going to cover the PlayStation 1 
throwback game. Uh, it's a throwback to the series roots, starring, starring of course, Zidane, uh, VP the Black Mage. A uh, really colorful cast of characters that is, despite some of the darker themes in the in the game itself, is pretty ripe for a children's fantasy show. So it's not the worst fit I can imagine. Uh, they're hoping to start production by the end of the year. They're working with Square Enix on putting the finishing touches on a source material bible that they will pull through, uh, pull from as they create the show. Uh, this is super exciting. Uh, this could go wrong in a bunch of different directions, but in terms of uh, some of the farcical nature of that game and the plot and a lot of the really colorful characters and settings, uh, I think it's a good fit for a kid's TV show. So I am actually kind of looking forward to that. Uh, And finally, uh, some sad but not totally unexpected game cancellation news. Uh, Capcom Bandai Namco, uh, back back 11 years ago, uh, announced two parallel crossover fighting games, Street Fighter Cross Tekken and Tekken Cross Street Fighter. Uh, Street Fighter Cross Tekken, of course, came out. Uh, It's a 2D fighting game in the style of Street Fighter with some Tekken characters. Uh, It was actually pretty cool. I I liked that game quite a bit. Uh, But the, the, the game that seemed like a harder sell... A harder fit would be the Tekken Cross Street Fighter, which is going to take those Street Fighter characters and put them in a 3D, more natural fighting environment. Um, Once Akuma came to Tekken 7, it kind of became clear that maybe that game was uh, on the shelf, maybe for good. Uh, But finally, Tekken series uh, uh, manager uh, as the head of the Tekken series, Katsuhiro Harada, uh, basically said, yeah, we were about 30% through that game, but we canceled it. So we had models, we had motions, uh, and, and he never really confirmed that Akuma's uh, uh, appearance in Tekken 7 was kind of the death knell, but like that that's pretty clear. Uh, if you want to play a cool crossover with the Tekken character, you can play with Kazuma Mishima in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate pretty soon. So you won't be totally in the lurch, but yeah, it's kind of sad that Tekken Cross Street Fighter is now officially canceled. Womp womp. One of the major announcements from E3 Week is the upcoming collection of releases from the Danganronpa series. Uh, here to discuss that with me is our own Danganronpa expert and new staff writer, Ken Shepard. Hi, Ken. Hello. Hi. Happy to be here. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. Now, I'm going to start with this because I'm just going to readily admit to you that I don't know what Danganronpa is, and I'm now too too afraid to ask. But against (laughs) my better judgment, I'm going to ask anyway. What's the deal with this series? Because I know you're an expert, but you weren't you weren't present on the stream where it got and you know where it it got all the announcements and stuff. Mm I, I, everyone seems to be really excited about this that knows anything about it. I would yeah. love our listeners to understand what this series is. And honestly, me, because I feel like it's going to enrich my life mm. if I know more about this. Right. So the short version that I usually give people, like when you're trying to compare <laughs> something, is like I say it's a cross between Saw, Battle Royale, and Ace Attorney. Does that, does that do anything for you? Does that stir anything I within mean, you? I mean, it's just like the thing, the thing that's so funny, Kenneth, is that the only thing I really know about it is the girl with the pigtails and the bear that looks like Two-Face. So when you say it's like Saw and Ace Attorney, I'm like, I, I'm not seeing those threads. But please, yeah, I, I'm getting a picture 
of what that combination of things would be. Yes. Yeah. So sort of like the, the long version, I guess, is that it's a visual novel series, a vis- specifically a murder mystery series, uh, okay. primarily. That's, that gets complicated. Like, what Danganronpa is, that is a bigger question than you probably think it is. But uh, <laughs> the, like the long version is that it is a visual novel series about a high, a high school called Hostique Academy, where students are like scouted for their talent. And the only way you get in is by being the best at what you do. So like you are the ultimate of what you do. So that means there's shit okay. like the ultimate baseball star, the ultimate programmer, uh, ultimate martial artist. There are even like a couple weird ones where like it's, it gets like so specific that it's like like the the ultimate fanfic writer. Like, oh wow, you know, just like you know some some crazy shit. So um, it could be could be anything. You're good at yeah, you're good at yeah. cooking uh, chili relleno. It's like okay, yeah, yeah that's like, great. And like as the series goes on, like they start to get even more specific, and so it's like almost like scraping the bottom of the barrel, like trying to find like what what is talent, and like trying to inv- interrogate that. Um, but, like, when you go to the school, like, you are basically set for life. So if anyone ever, like, gets scouted up, they're like, hell yeah, I'm doing that. That is going to, you know, set me on my way. Like, yeah. the, the school is, like, held in that uh, level of uh, notoriety. Um, so in the first game, you're playing as a character that is the ultimate lucky student. And they, that means you are a person that has no talent, but you were chosen by a raffle. <laughs> so, like, you okay. are coming in with, like, a uh, very particular perspective of, like, a character who's, like, one, buying in to, like, what the, the school is selling, but you're also, like, distanced enough from it that you can kind of see uh, mm. the, uh, not, like, the unsavory parts of it, even if the character himself was not necessarily recognized at its time. Okay. Um, so you arrive at the school, and you meet with your classmates, who are, like, 14 other kids, and it turns out that you're all actually just locked in the school by this animatronic teddy bear called Monokuma. And, um... <laughs> okay. So, like, the school is otherwise completely empty. There are no there are no teachers, no other students. And Monokuma just says, you have two choices right now. You can stay in here forever and just, like, live your peaceful lives. You will have everything that you need provided for you. Or you can kill one of your classmates and be set free. And uh, the, the uh. catch to that is that you have to kill one of your classmates and get away with it. So that's where the murder mystery sort of investigation stuff comes up. Because, like, you are playing a character that does not do the murders, but is having to investigate murders as they happen. Sure. And... You, then you enter this mock trial situation where you're using evidence that you've gathered to basically like narrow down who it was, and uh, in you know in between all the evidence presentation, like there are mini games and stuff. So like that's where like the gamey side of it comes in, okay. Like beyond like the visual novel and uh, the social sim elements, which actually are happening throughout the game. So like that is like an interesting thing about it is that like you are also like you are investigating murders, but you are also like learning about these characters and like getting to know them and. You know, establishing these relationships, but those can be cut off immediately because like, a character might be killed that you were like really invested in the story of, or they might end up being the murderer. So like, oh, wow. it's just like, yeah, it's like there is that ongoing tension that like I really care about these characters, but I, you know, I'm going to have probably see a majority of them die before the game's over. So yeah, it's a kind of teen deathmatch murder mystery that. They, like, there is like you know obviously like a grander uh, mystery like what is the deal with the school why is nobody going to <laughs> save us deal with the bear like yeah what's who is Monokuma the, why are they Monokuma? doing this why where did yeah. this come from yeah yeah that's interesting so, yeah it's it's kind of like simplistic in terms of like you know the you know the first sentence pitch like teen deathmatch murder mystery right. is like pretty simple but like yeah sort of a uh, ways that it's like weaving in themes and like you know the ongoing lore of what Hope Speak Academy is is yeah. kind of like the sort of like stage setting foundation that uh, becomes like a more overarching thing throughout the whole series. 
So I, I remember when I, and, and I, I don't know, I, I just generally apologize for this being the first conjured comparison I could think of, but I remember going into watching Game of Thrones fresh. Like I just didn't really know mm. any. And so I was constantly surprised at the kinds of characters that would just croak in the middle of something that right. kind of sounds like this. Like you can't get too attached to like any sort of thread because it might be mm. cut at any point right. at this thing, which is, I don't know. That seems pretty unique for a series. I don't know to, to do that. Um, so yeah. that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And I think um, like the game of Thrones comparison is apt because like the games do a pretty good job, especially I think as the series goes on, like they get good at like really twisting the knife at like, who is the one who are the people that ends up on the, uh, sure. the theoretical chopping block. Yeah. And, um, you know, playing with like even like sort of, sort of like anime tropes and subverting them—that is kind of like, you know, the the basis of like how these games are presented because like they will present like yeah. you know characters that are like very like seem very important in the plot and then they fucking they're the first people that croak like it's <laughs> yeah. yeah that's good no I mean that, I love that I love that that's great mm-hmm. um I I have to imagine that's like part of why folks love the series but like I I see and I've seen for many years. Um, passion for the series without mm. really ever investigating it, which is like right. why I'm finally like, okay, it's time to fill some gaps in my in my awareness yeah. here. Why do why do folks love the series so much? Uh, I think there are like a few angles, and like, like most obvious, like the the mystery is compelling, and like like I said, there is a lot of like tropey anime bullshit, but like the interpersonal drama between these characters, I think, is something that is very compelling, and like. Even like in these individual mis- murder mysteries, because like they're like you know it's divided into chapters, and each chapter is uh, they end with a class trial and the eventual execution of a friend, and they think they do well enough in terms of humanizing why a person in the scenario would be like would have to do that, like feel, or feel so compelled to do that, and so like there is just like that element of like yes, it is like a, a murder mystery game, but like it is at all times, like trying to make you understand that like these people are still good people. And like they, Hmm. in spite of like, you know, even like the most sort of like ambivalent character that just really seem to care about shit, like can be like one of the more compelling uh, characters throughout the whole game. Um, And I think for, for me personally, like what I think resonates with me, like not to say that the murder mystery is not like a draw and that has not been something that I really care about. It's the sort of like, overarching story and it seems that has really been what has made the series special to me in the long run is that like it's all about the themes of hope and despair which is like not it's that's not like un, uncharted territory or anything but it's like about what hope and despair looks like for different people and how there's like very much there's like very clearly like a depression allegory that has always kind of stuck with me over the years mm. um but it has like it's been like through each game and entry they have stayed very specifically honed in on that and like they've been able to like like it's almost like every game is kind of like a remix of that idea and yeah. while still also being very much tied to the, the same lore and like it even has like characters that are basically like symbols of those ideas and how those uh ideas can be kind of distorted or um or you know just like different ways that that manifest for different people and that has been what made the first or like what is basically the trilogy of the, these games really work out for me because like the sort of format of the series was two murder mystery games, a spinoff, and then an anime, which was like the actual like conclusion to that story. And then the last game that was released was called Danganronpa V3, and that is a whole other thing. And it ends in like we'll we'll, t- we'll touch on this in in a little bit, but like it is a metatextual thing that is making statements about the idea of the 
series continuing on past its like prime. Um, okay. So that that original trilogy has, is something that has always really stuck to me because of those themes of hope and despair and how it is able to illustrate it in different ways and show the ways that both of those things can be good and bad and like how they kind of just go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing though, I think like, cause after V3 came out and the series ostensibly ended, I did kind of like step away from the fandom. Cause like, I was just like, okay, it's over. I can, you know, keep that with me and <laughs> take it with me. It's like, I'm free. It's over. Yeah. And, yeah. but weirdly enough, I think the, the characters are just kind of like taken on a life of their own, like mm. almost like in meme culture and also like TikTok trends and like cosplay. Because mm-hmm. I think the, the characters like as, you know, singular entities, like not even necessarily uh, in terms of like the grander plot, just have like really become like very popular in ways that I didn't really anticipate happening because like at the time when I was, you know, the games were happening, they, you know, they were popular for sure, but like there wasn't that level of fervor, I don't think. And right. so that right. was why it was wild to me to like, before I was even paying attention to TikTok to find out that one of the characters had become like, like a huge trend over there and like right. references to like from cosplay to like just referencing lines and like her pose, like her anime sprite poses, like it was, you know, just weird to see that how, like what a different life this character had taken. Sure. So I think there's just like a lot of different angles. Cause like, that is something that I've definitely noticed over the years is that like people have come into it from so di- many different things, whether it is the games, whether it's the manga or the anime. And like, sure. it is interesting to like, just kind of see how it resonates with different people in different mediums and different ways. Yeah. Um, I don't recommend watching the anime adaptation. If that is your sole ex- exposure to this series, please <laughs> fucking play a video game. I've heard that. Why is the anime so divisive for folks? It's uh, So I'm specifically referring to like the, the adaptation of the first game. Cause I think sure. like this is something we even saw with like Persona 5, the animation uh, early or last year, I think um, just like studios trying to make, extremely long games into 13 episode animes is like it's tough yeah it, it's tough and it's also just like it, it, it like i feel like if that maybe if this season had been like twice as long it might have gotten even mm-hmm. a sliver of like you know what that game was about because like you're having to like sum up not only like character moments like the investigations of these murders like they do basically like in a very quick montage and so like when it actually gets to the mock trial section, people are just yelling at each other about all these things that, that you as the viewer may not be privy to just because like all they did to communicate it to you was like <laughs> flash it over the screen for like two seconds. And yeah, it's just like it's the inter- format of the show. Yeah. It's interesting that they, it's interesting that they would actually just choose to adapt something that has that many different threads and, and paths yeah. that the player could take instead of, you know, maybe coming up with a, a separate story or something that's like, tangentially related but but can take more of a linear path but yeah that that seems odd odd choice yeah for sure um, and like yeah. and, and to their credit they did end up doing it like so the uh setup that i've described with monokuma and the killing game and the montreals they did that for two games and then like because it is so still strongly tied to the setup of Optic academy and like what that that institution meant to the world like, by the time that they were coming to the point where they needed to kind of, like, finish the story off, like, that setup didn't, like, no longer worked for the story they had, because, like, you can only, like, make the sort of overarching mystery be, like, what is the truth of the world outside of what we're doing so mm. many times before, like, it stops working. So, like, sure. Danganronpa 3, which is an, an anime instead of a game, still has, like, the sort of deathmatch killing game uh setup, but not mm. with, like, the investigations and the trials. And, like, that is very much, like, leaning into the overarching mystery that they've uh, that they established and leaving it on a more definitive note. And mm. that was something that I, like I, Danganronpa 3 is divisive. And I think a lot of my uh, appreciation for it is based on a lot of 
charitable reads, I guess we'll say. And um, <laughs> so, but I did really appreciate that they were like, the Danganronpa kind of lives on its own terms. Like, it's like, hey, I know you want another investigative murder mystery game, but that is not, the, the, that no longer fits the story that we have been writing. So we are going to take this other outlet to finish it. Mm. And then Danganronpa V3 came out, which was the murder mystery thing again. But also the thing was like, hey, can we stop making these? I know you like them, but we maybe <laughs> want to do other things. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, that's really fascinating. So, so Danganronpa Decadence is the uh, mm. collection of stuff coming to the Switch, which is Trigger Happy Havoc, uh, Goodbye Despair, and then V3, as you mentioned. So what's, I, I think to your point about, okay, we've seen this kind of fervor building. Um, mm. Seems like this is kind of striking while the iron is is hot. Would mm. Would you assess that the same way? Yeah, and I think it's also just a moment of, well, fucking finally it's going to be on this thing. Because, like, yeah. these games were made for handhelds. And so, like, yeah. the second the Switch as a concept was brought to my attention, I was like, okay, can you put Danganronpa on it? Like, yeah. not that I haven't already played. Like, I own these games on everything. I own them on Vita, PlayStation, PC. Uh, they're putting them out on mobile now. Which So, like, mobile, they, they started to put them out into mobile last year. And there was kind of, like, a muted response, even though I think the games, like, work well on mobile mm-hmm. devices. Just because, like, they are structured for, like, a, a handheld game. Um, but, you know, Switch was, like, you know, the thing that people were waiting for, and especially considering, like, like in the time that, like, the, the Switch's been out, that is kind of where the weird, like, sudden resurgence of, like, Danganronpa fervor has come. So, like, people wanted it on that, and so it's just, you know, about time. And I think a lot of it might have, like, I don't have any, like, forbidden knowledge about this, but like, I think a lot of it probably came to, like, Spike Chunsoft has been in the midst of kind of, like, reclaiming the publishing rights to the series over the past uh, year or so. Yeah. So I think that was maybe something that just kind of, like, held it up for this long. Um, yeah. And, Spike uh, Chunsoft that- is so interesting to me as a, mm. as a publisher. I mean, they've just got some of the strangest IP kind of under their umbrella. I don't think they're the IP holder, the uh, owner, but like Danganronpa, Fire Pro Wrestling. These are just mm. like unbelievably niche, but like the, pa- the, the, the fan bases are just unbelievably right. passionate about these things and will shell out dollar after dollar every single time any of these things ever gets released anywhere it's such a bizarre business model but it's it seems to be working for them it's pretty interesting yeah for sure i mean they it, it is interesting that like there's been like a kind of like extended rollout but they have been finding new audiences for these things that like danganronpa like took over the course of the past like five or so years it's just like been finding new audiences on different platforms like whether mm-hmm. it's ps4 and then pc mobile and i'll maybe switch um yeah yeah and something that is also interesting about the switch release is that they are putting out what is basically like the first new danganronpa video game content mm. like of any kind with danganronpa s which is this like non-canonical social sim like um expansion of like it w- what was a mini game in v3 um so it's just like making it a full-blown new game including characters that weren't in it before um new cutscenes, new interactions between because like the sort of premise of it is that it is this like it's a non-canonical thing where all the characters from all of these games who never meet per se in these like in the midst of these games but all that just yeah. put them all in one place and get them all to like you know interact in a place where they're not having to kill each other and so like, it's just you know yeah they're just vibing on the beach for a while and sure that is um you know there's there's like an, an alert to that if like you are a person that like just kind of like wants to like you know it's, it's kind of things like putting your to- like putting toys from all these different elements together and like just imagine how they would react to each other. Yeah, how are they? How are they vibing? That's that's yeah. all we want to know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But there, there is like a weird, like feeling I get as a fan of like 
so like I said, V3 without getting into like, too into it ends on like a very like not subtle metatextual sort of thing thing like mm. basically asking like the series asking to be let go to like mm. let itself die. Mm. And um so what my I get this weird thing cuz like uh, the series creator uh, Kasutaka Kodaka no longer works with Bytonsoft. Okay. And so like when I see like he's gone, that was the ser- the note he left the series on. And now Spike Chunsoft is like, hey, we want to maybe ex- like toy with making more of this. That like it, it has like almost Metal Gear Survive energy to me. It's like interesting, but it doesn't feel like explicitly disrespectful in the same way. Just because like okay. it is like uh, it's like non canonical. Like it is an expansion of something that like was made in one of these games before. Um, so and and he has like on like publicly like on Twitter and stuff been supportive of it. So like maybe he's just not as angry as he might have been like four years yeah, ago. And that's sure. That's all fine and well. But that I did sense. as a person I like when things end. I like when things end cleanly. Yeah. And I like V3's metatextual stuff was um divisive because like it does have like an element of like player facing like blame and disdain. And that has been a sort of a a, a wound that has been picked at by a lot of people like you know the if you're you know really invested in something and then like, basically the game says fuck off then of course you're not going to feel great about it <laughs> um but i was like again as a person who likes when things and i was like hell yeah like tell me that I, tell me like fuck me for playing this game now and like i really i still like in, like really enjoy how bold that was like as yeah. divisive as it like rightfully is um for a game to like almost like make a satire of itself and be like hey this is what happens if a series uh meanders and just like exists beyond its means and mm-hmm. yeah there's like i don't i don't know like that it's gonna um be like weirdly like almost disrespectful like in the same way metal Gear survive seems to be but uh it did make me feel some kind of way which i actually ended up writing about on the site yeah which you can go check out now there are a lot of good pieces up on the site uh, about this series that you've written. Uh, one last question I've got. I mean, Trigger Happy Havoc and Goodbye Despair, those were Vita um, uh, exclusives, I believe, when they came to the West. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this series has always just been, you know, super handheld, all the stuff. Mm. But now there's some weird stuff going on with the Vita games. Um, yeah. You want to talk about that for a moment? So. The series, in, in term, like as it was coming to the West, has kind of been passed around a lot. There were like three companies that were involved in just getting the basic mainline story out between Spike Chunsoft, obviously, uh, NIS America, Funimation, and so like those companies had like had a very hard time speaking to each other, like in terms sure. of like, really acknowledging that this is like supposed to be this like one kind of like very cohesive work, but Funimation in particular was just like fuck it, we're getting different voice actors, we're going to use different uh, terminology in the localization, it's a whole thing. But last July, or like. Even even before that, even Spike Chunsoft has been like working on like publishing the series on its own, mm-hmm. and that extends to like the PC ports, the mobile ports. Um, but the PlayStation stuff has always been under NIS America, and so last July, I think it was, uh, Spike Chunsoft mm-hmm. got the publishing rights back, and so the games were briefly delisted from PlayStation Network. And uh, a couple months later, Spike Chunsoft, like with the, the rights back, put the PlayStation Four versions back out, but the Vita versions just never showed back up. And for, like, a time, there was a, like, it kind of was, like, the lesser of two problems because, like, the Vita store was going to go away. So, like, it just, you know, what's the point in putting these games back? Whatever, like, go into the process of doing that if that storefront is never going to exist again. Um, But then Sony backtracked on that. And so we ended up reaching out and Fight Chunsoft basically said they they had nothing to say on the matter right now as to whether those games would ever come back to the Vita store. And 
because of that, the physical versions are like they're basically out of stock everywhere. Um, mm. They are selling on eBay from anywhere from like I've seen like like eighty dollars, which is like roughly twice the price of what these things are oh when they first God. come out. To I some copies of V three, like just the standard version of V three on Vita, we're running for like three hundred dollars. Oh my and, God! Yeah, and it's like there. I, Part of it is like they are Vita games, so it's not like stores are going to be getting sure, right. new versions of those anyway. So yeah. like, cause, you know, they're not making those anymore. But yeah. it was like, it it, it is kind of disheartening because like these were this is like where like the, the series history and yeah, like they started out, out as PSP games in Japan, but they reported to Vita like a couple of years later, and that was like the basis of how they came to America. And it's just a fucking shame because like that is like. I don't know, like, it, it, it's, I, I don't imagine that they were getting that much money from them anyway, because, like, again, like, who has a fucking Vita in 2021 that they're actively playing? I know. But That's I also, still... like, yeah, and they're also, like, I think, you know, th- these Switch games, I think, might end up probably being, like, the more, the most, like, quote-unquote definitive version of these games. Because I think, like, sure, the PS4 and PC versions are, like, they're, they're fine, like, they run really well, but, like, this also, like, you're upscaling handheld art and assets to a much bigger screen, and so, like, that was my takeaway with those uh, those versions. Of like it, you know, it plays great, it plays fine. It's like a totally serviceable version of these games, but mm-hmm. it looks kind of rough. Like that's not yeah. that's not a screen that those games were meant to be played on. And so, like I've been telling people for years, like the Vita version, if you have a Vita, is the way to go. But um, right, yeah, it just kind of seems yeah, like it's, it's it's another entry oh, in in this you know this saga that I think has gotten more and more attention over the past eighteen months or so. Just these mm-hmm. these platform holders. Um, that just, you know, they, they, they're not conservationists and mm. like, yes, like I acknowledge that they're just trying to make a buck and that the conservation doesn't really fall into that. But at the same time, um, it's beginning to get distressing, like how mm. little these companies seem to care about, like putting the stuff back where it belongs. Um, For sure. yeah, it's really weird. Mm. Uh, well, I'm, I, you know what? I'm going to say it just as you have convinced me to keep Caden Alenko alive in my <laughs> new playthrough of Mass Effect. I'm probably going to pick up Danganronpa Decadence. I'm going to try it. I'm going to check, oh, yeah. check it out. Um, feel, free to be, feel free to be constantly messaging me your theories. I, I will. Like, if, that I is will. like I, I, these games are so ingrained in my brain. The only like thing that I get that even comes close to re-experiencing it is hearing people talk about it. So Yeah. No, I'm going to check it out. I'm going to go in fresh. Like I haven't looked up any of this stuff. I I know what the bear's name is. That's about it. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Kenneth, where can folks find you online? Yeah, you can find me all week, all, almost every day at fanbyte.com <laughs> and also on Twitter at shepherdcdr. Uh, and you also have a, a podcast that I like. Oh, I do. That is that is that is important. That's what that's what I'm thinking. I I have a show called Normandy FM. It once was Bioware retrospective podcast. It is now just kind of a general retrospective podcast. But whatever I feel like doing that that uh, few months. Um, uh, you can find us at Normandy FM Show on Twitter and on all your various podcast services. And it's a it's a good show you run with Destructoids own Eric Van Allen. Um, yes, yes, it's a good show, so you should go check it out. Uh, Kenneth, thank you so much for enlightening me. Yeah, thanks for having me. June was so slammed with game releases. It's kind of nice. I have to admit that things have slowed down just a little bit, but that doesn't mean that we're totally out of the game's woods. We have some cool releases coming out this week, so I want to give you a heads up. Uh, Curved Space comes out on June 29th for PC, PS5, Xbox X, and S. 
PS4 and Xbox included. Uh, Destroy All Humans, the uh, remaster, remake. I can't really even remember how much work they did on this one. But uh, the one that that, that came out uh, like 18 months ago uh, is also making its way to Switch on June 29th. Uh, Sky Children of the Light is making its way from uh, from mobile devices to your Nintendo Switch on June 29th as well. Uh, Zombies Ate My Neighbors and Ghoul Patrol. PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch June 29th. That is a throwback that I know some of my uh, old high school friends are going to be really excited about. Uh, a Tale of Synapse, The Chaos Grease comes to PC and Switch on June 30th, and Doki Doki Literature Club Plus comes out on PC, PS5, Xbox, X, and S, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch on June 30th. Uh, you should go into that one totally fresh, okay? Don't read a whole lot about it if you haven't played Doki Doki Literature Club. Just go in fresh. You won't regret not knowing a whole lot about this very interesting game, but you should definitely check it out. It's definitely one of the most inventive games over the past 10 years or so, and it's nice that it's getting a another look. Um, what else is this week? Hey, uh, by the time you're listening to this, uh, F- uh, F9, the Fast Saga, is out in theaters, and if you're like, okay, well, then you love to see it, Cruz, gotta talk about this. Well, you'd be totally right. On July 1st, that's a Thursday, and it's also my birthday, by the way. Haha. <laughs> uh, you can uh, you can listen to our episode covering uh, F9, the Fast Saga, with the, the normal you love to see a crew. That's going to be a super exciting one. They just wrapped up beach month, uh, which is super exciting after F nine. They're doing, uh, they're doing a uh, heist month, uh, which is really cool. Um, which is, uh, super exciting. They're, do- they're watching some really cool, uh, movies, uh, throughout the month. So check our socials for all of those details. Um, Corner three is our basketball podcast. It is heating up because the playoffs are heating up. Uh, I'm all the way in on Trey Young and the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, we've got a ton of controversies happening in the NBA. We have uh, Kevin Durant uh, talking shit to to Scottie Pippen and vice versa. It's amazing. You should get on the bus now uh, for the corner three uh, because it's it's one of the most fun podcasts we do. Listen, I'm super biased, but. It's true. Um, 99 Potions this past week uh, was a wonderful episode about uh, Legend of Zelda theories. Uh, I will not be on this upcoming week's episode just because I'm taking uh, half the week off for my aforementioned birthday. And by the way, this episode, uh, this show, uh, thanks for the knowledge, uh, will be uh, uh, there will be a new episode next week, but it's going to cover about half the week. Uh, so hopefully, uh, if nothing totally blows up between Wednesday and uh, like Saturday, um, it won't be a big deal. But there could be some stories that slip through the cracks just because I'm taking half the week off to make up for it. Uh, I've done a really nice interview with uh, Giant Bomb alumnus Ben Pack. Uh, that was a really lovely interview that went some cool places. Uh, we talked about a lot of games and talked about what uh, he's been up to. And that was a great conversation. So, yeah, next week's episode of Thanks for the Knowledge might be a little light on breaking news, but super heavy on a nice conversation. So, yeah, uh, thanks for your patience with that. I definitely need some time off. I, I must rest. I'm very excited about resting. But we're going to hit the ground running, uh, starting with our July 11th episode, looking ahead at a lot of big stuff that's happening for the rest of the summer. Uh, so, yeah, thanks.
that's going to do it for this week's episode. I, I want to thank Kenneth Shepard for stopping by and telling me all about Rumpa. That was a really great conversation. If you want to find Kenneth, you can do so over on Twitter at ShepardCDR. You can also find all of his wonderful stuff at fanbyte.com. He's writing a lot of our news stories along with Emeron Khan, uh, and his stuff is wonderful. So please go check that out. If you want to follow Paul, our wonderful producer, you can do so over at Polymayo. Uh, thank you, Paul. If you want to follow me, you can at Floppy Adult. You can also follow Fanbyte at Fanbyte Media, and all of our podcasts can be found at podcastnet.work. Until next week, folks, you're welcome.